Hallelujah. The children, how many of your children were excited this morning when they saw that white stuff falling down? And all us parents are going, Whoa! I remember as a child, I loved it. And as I've grown older, I've gotten okay. And I just thank God it's not here four months of the year. Grace of God. This morning I want to preach. Actually, I, I feel more inclined to do some teaching this morning about the grace, about grace. So I want us... We're going to be going through our Bibles, and and I've got literally 17 or 18 verses. I don't know if we're going to get to them all, but what I want us to do is I want us to see today how grace affects our lives. And grace is an amazing thing. When you, when you study grace, and Pastor Nelson started the year off in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, talking about having all grace abound to us. As a believer, you have at your resources and at your disposal something that non-believers do not have. You have an unfair advantage. And yet I believe as I've walked life, I've realized I have not experienced or walked into or understood that to the extent that God has given it to us. And Pastor Nelson shared that grace is, is God's favor. Unmerited favor. That if, if we're honest, that is something that's hard to understand because everything that we equate re equates to you deserve it, you've earned it, you've worked for it, therefore I'll give it to you. We live in a society of fairness. I worked, therefore I should get paid. But in the kingdom of God, God says, no, this is what I'm giving you. It's powerful. You don't do things to earn his grace. You accept the gift of grace that he's given. It's a gift. So this morning I want to spend a few moments looking at grace. As I was studying, the phrase that came up, and I was just amazed by it, was the phrase, grace of God. The first thing I want you to see is who is the one that is giving the grace. It's not the grace of David. It's not the grace of another person. It's the grace of God. So when you look at grace, we want to place it in respect to God. We want to place it with respect or with respect within our vision and understanding of how God looks at it and how God administers it. Grace of God. If you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I've got five pages of notes. 
And all I've done is write the verse down and then one, write one phrase after it. And I got nine, uh, five pages. You might think I'm Pastor Nelson this morning. I'm getting there. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. When we look at the word grace today, I want to put two pictures or paint two pictures to the frame of reference for the word grace. Now, we've looked at it as unmerited favor, overcoming power, um, his goodness, his face shining on us. And today, as I study it and as we look at it, I'd like to give just two thoughts with respect to grace as we go through this. And the word is kind of in the sense of how it's used. And so there's, there's two thoughts. The word grace is goodwill. Goodwill? Goodwill. Goodwill freely disseminated by God. Okay? It's freely disseminated. It's freely given. Say freely given. Freely given. Think about that. It's freely given. Have you ever had something given to you freely? And then they say, take as much as you want. What do you do when somebody says that? You know what our first tendency usually is? Nah. That would be... Can, can we be honest? And we come... Nah, I couldn't take all of that. And they say, no, take whatever you want. And then somebody comes behind you because you were the first one to have the opportunity and you took like three things and you thought, man, this is like just too much. And the person behind you comes and goes, everything? The guy says, anything? He says, just a minute. He backs up his truck and he throws everything in the truck and he takes off. And then you, you know what you do when that happens? Why did he do that? Like, he's taken, and it's like, no, it was freely given. If I was to say to you, take whatever you want, I have to be very careful because I need to define that. Because my expectation is when you have an offer from God that he determined, he established, he defined, and he gave the parameters to, all you did was wake up one morning and say, God, I need you. You're the one that I need, and your son is the one who restored that relationship back. I did nothing. While, it says in the Bible, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He looked at us. And he said, there's value in that person, and I will die for them. Grace should affect our horizontal relationships. It's a vertical grace. 
but the grace of God should affect our horizontal relationships. Because when I start to understand the grace that he gives me is the same grace that he gives you and the same grace that he gives me and he gives you, he gives to somebody that he doesn't know yet, that doesn't know him yet, but I am an agent of that to let them experience that. It's amazing. In Luke 2, verse 40, and it's talking about Jesus and it says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with grace, wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I just found that interesting. The grace of God. You want to do an interesting study, type into Google or go to Blue Letter Bible and type grace of God, and you're going to find that phrase is about almost 20 times in the scriptures. Grace of God. Grace of God. Grace of God. And what amazes me about it is grace is defined by the one who gives it. Grace is defined by the one who gives it. If you give grace, you define how it's given. And so the best person that can define the parameters and the limits or the extent of the grace is God. And the last time I checked... He was limitless. I'm waiting for the... The grace of God. The grace of a limitless, infinite God. Do you think his grace is limited to you and I? Goodwill freely disseminated by God, especially to the benefit of the recipient, regardless of the benefit accrued to the disseminator. Those are big words because it's a dictionary. I didn't write that. If I wrote it, I would have just said, it's given from somebody to the benefit of another person, and the person who gives it has no expectation of a receipt or a benefit coming back. The grace of God is for your benefit. We spent time here in the last number of weeks talking about the grace of God and how it abounds and it overflows this year, all of you that hear my voice, whether you're sitting here or whether you're listening online, all of you are hear my voice. I want to declare and prophesy over you that you will experience greater grace than you've ever experienced before. And all you need to do is say, I need it and I receive it. You don't have to do exercises. You don't have to do jumping jacks. You don't, have, you don't have to get up early and pray six hours longer. What you need to do is receive the free gift that God gives you. And what happens is when you receive that, that affects how you interact with him. We have the being and the doing. 
And sometimes we put the doing before we put the being. God created you, and we are called human, human beings, not human doings. Even science figured that one out. So as I be in his presence, as I be receiving from him, I receive his grace. And what happens when I receive his grace, that affects what I do. I don't do to receive. I do because I have received. So I've got all these verses. So my thought out of Luke 2, verse 40, it says the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God this morning, I want to say to you, wants to come upon you. He wants to impose his grace. So what I wrote down there, God freely gives goodwill for your benefit. He freely gives his goodwill for your benefit. I don't have enough receptacles to receive all of it. It's like, get me a dump truck and let me fill up on it because I need his goodwill. You say, well, you're selfish. You know what? Pastor Nelson once shared with me of his attitude when people are praying and there's a man of God, a woman of God that has a gifting and something that he looks at and he goes, there's something they move in that that I'd like to experience more. And he once said to me, he said, David, if you don't go up there, I'm going to beat you there because I'm going to go first. And it's like, you might actually see Pastor Nelson aggressive going after the free gift that God has. So if you're writing down notes, write down, God freely gives goodwill for your benefit. Alvaro, freely. All you have to do is say, I've got a need. And he says, it's yours. I don't know about you, but sometimes this just blows my mind. Have you ever had a contract given to you and the contract was for one thing and there were 17 pages attached to that contract of fine print? The fine print in the Bible is the same size as the regular print. In Acts 20, verse 24, if you go there, Acts 20, verse 24, Paul is writing, And he's talking about some of the things he endured. And he says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. Gospel is good news. 
the gospel is good news. So the grace of God is good news to those who hear it. I thought I might get an amen there. I'll, I'll do it again. I'll give you a second chance. The word of grace, the power of grace, the grace that God gives is good news to those who hear it. It's good news. It's not fake news and it's not bad news. It's good news. And it comes from above for you. It's the grace of God. That phrase, of God, is huge when you look at it with respect to grace. Because it determines the parameters, the method, and the way it's distributed. It's of God. The grace of God. The message of grace is a message of the good news of the kingdom. Because if you re keep reading in that passage, the next verse, Paul says, and he was thankful that he got to preach the good news of the kingdom. God's rule and reign. So when you share grace with someone, you're sharing good news. If the grace that you share is not good news, then double check what you're sharing. I've got good news for you. God freely gave and disseminated out of his goodwill for your goodwill and for your benefit with no expectation of something coming back. That's the method of how he gives it. When was the last time you gave somebody something with no strings attached? I didn't expect to see many hands. The grace of God. It's Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is an equal opportunity giver. It does not hold color. It does not hold ethnicity. It doesn't hold rank. It is equal to everyone, to all who hear. So when you walk around a job site and you see somebody who's working for you, are you prepared to extend to them grace? No, no, I can't, because I'm the boss. And if I was to do that, I would jeopardize my position. Now, I understand that because I've heard that talk, and I've even said that talk. But when you start walking in the grace of God, it's irrespective. And it says, no, it's for all people. The salvation of God and the good news of grace is for everyone. I'm trying to teach here. I've got another verse for you. Hebrews 12, verse 15. 
looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and there may many be defiled. Grace is for everyone. The grace of God is for everyone. And don't waste his grace. You say, how can I waste his grace? I think we can waste his grace when we don't use his grace to the full extent of his grace. When we have the grace and the riches that he freely gives, we waste it when we don't entertain and live and exercise according to the grace of God. So what does that look like? To me, grace gives you strength that you don't have yourself. So, if you're in a situation and you're at wit's end and you don't know what to do, I'm here to tell you, grace is there for you. And it can help you and strengthen you and give you the wisdom, the fortitude, the understanding, the ability, whatever you need. Grace is there to help you because when you reach the end of yourself, grace is there saying, here I am, come and get me. And you say, well, that's almost scandalous. I know, grace, I, I can't figure it out. Because sometimes I think people deserve to be in the place they're at. Come on. Can we be honest? But when you stand there, and I've done it, I've come to the end of myself, and I realize I can't do it. And then there's grace. And then there's grace. Then there's ability. Then there's his goodwill towards me. There's his benefit for me when I can't do it myself. And by the way, everything I do in life, I am trying and learning how to do it with grace because that would push me beyond what I can do. And that, to me, is the normal position a believer should be in. Going beyond what you can do. If you can do everything yourself, you don't need grace Grace is for the daily grind. If you've got problems with road rage, let me introduce you to grace. Come on. If you've got problems raising your children because they push your buttons, let me introduce you to grace. If you have difficulty dealing with a boss because every time you walk in, they make a derogatory comment about the way you're dressed or the way you're behaving or this or that, let me introduce you to grace. If you'd rather close your fist and punch instead of lay your hands and hug, let me introduce you to grace. If you sit here Sunday after Sunday and by the time you travel 120 feet to the edge of the driveway and get on the road and you're already angry and yelling and arguing with your spouse, let me introduce you to grace. 
because his grace takes you beyond what you can do into what he can do. And we have lived too many times with our limits, our expectations. This is me. This is all I can do. Let me tell you, grace takes you beyond that and moves you into his realm. And it's the grace of God. And what's really funny is you didn't deserve it. I can't figure that out. I mean, I'd say, God, make him deserve it. I mean, if he asked me, that's what I would have told him. I would have come up with rules. I would have come like, no, they've got to do this. And then if they do that, and then they make a mistake, put them all the way back to the beginning. Because they've got to go through grade one again. And his grace is, no, it's free. And it's my goodwill to you. And what it does is it affects the way I live so that I don't want to live like this anymore, that I want to live like this. It affects the way you live. But it affects it through the gift of what he's given, not through the way you earn it, because you don't earn. Everyone needs grace. Look at someone and say, I need grace. And look at them again and say, you need grace. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, and you can look at me and say, he needs grace because I need it. Thank you, honey. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, it says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. The grace of God given you by Jesus Christ. Don't separate grace from what Jesus did and don't separate Jesus from grace. When you look at Jesus, what you do is you see the grace of God. So look at his interactions with people. And before you say, you hypocrites, look at the way he dealt with those that needed help, that needed love. Like we read this morning, the lady who had lost her child, and he was moved with compassion. Don't separate grace from Jesus. I've got... 13 more. Are you ready? Another aspect of the word grace, how God gives it and disseminates it, it's also grace is an outworking. In other words, grace is the resulting activity that is a necessary consequence of genuine, beneficent goodwill, especially used of the outworking of God's goodwill. In other words, when you get touched by grace, it can't help but come out of you. It can't help but get out of you. Grace is designed by God to affect how you live. And when you walk in grace, you don't just walk as a recipient, you walk as a giver. I want you to see a few verses. 
In Acts 14, verse 26, they, they sailed to Antioch from when they had been recommended to the grace of God. I thought, what does it mean to be recommended by or to the grace of God? Well, if you went back to Acts 13, verse 1, is when they left Antioch. And Acts 13 and 14 is a tale of, or a tale, it's the story of Paul's missionary journey. And how, and is what's amazing is one week the guys were saying, can we have you come next week? And then he comes next week, and he preaches again to them, and then they turn around and want to kill him. It's amazing how funny and quickly people change. And he has this missionary's trip, and if you read in Acts 13, the first couple of verses, it talks about how they laid their hands on them and sent them out. And then you get to Acts 14, the end of Acts 14, he's come full circle back to Antioch. And he says, I was sent by the grace of God. The grace of God is there. Listen, it starts with you. The grace of God starts with you. The grace of God stays with you. And the grace of God finishes with you. And Paul was saying, we were recommended to go back at chapter 13... And this whole trip, it was by the grace of God. He started, he sustained us, and he brought us to the end. The grace of God doesn't have a deficiency. Write that down, because that's not in my notes, so I need somebody to write it down for me. The grace of God does not have a deficiency. Think about that. He gets you at the beginning. He sustains you all the way through. And he's there at the end. And at the end, Paul says, it's because of how he called me and he sent me out from the beginning. It was all through the grace of God. What a testimony. What a testimony. Everything. Can you imagine the testimony? Everything we did was because of the grace of God. Everything we did. And when you read what he did, it's like, well, I was shipwrecked. I was left to die. I was stoned with rocks, not with other stuff. I was beaten. I was chased out of here. He says, and yet, the grace of God. In Acts 11, they're talking about the people of Antioch, and it says, and who, when he came, Barnabas went there, he says, and he witnessed the grace of God. So the grace of God, the goodwill and the goodness of God is designed to be evident in your life. So here's a question for you. How many of you can honestly say, the grace of God is what people see when they see me. That caused me to think. When they see David, do they say, he walks with an amazing ability. He, there's healing, there's miracles, there's this, there's that. He doesn't get upset with his wife. 
He doesn't get upset with his kids. He, he, he doesn't have this. He, he doesn't get irritated quickly. He, he walks with such a peace around him. When they went and they checked out this community, they said they saw the uh, grace of God. They actually physically saw the grace of God. In other words, the outward things that I do are a direct display of God's goodness of my, over my life and how I overcome things. Grace, grace is meant to be displayed. Grace is meant to be displayed. Grace is meant for other people to see. Because, as we saw earlier, it's good news. In 1 Peter 5, verse 12, the whole chapter, verse chapter 5, talks about serving God. And at the end of the chapter, he says, I'm, I'm writing this to you, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. How? By helping you serve willingly. If you have a hard time serving, ask God to give you grace to serve. Because serving requires grace. Because when you serve, you don't do it for yourself. You do it for everybody else. Without pay. First Corinthians 3:10. Paul's writing, and he says, "According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, I was a wise builder." And if you look at that passage, he's talking about some people said, "Hey, I'm a Paul and I'm a Apollos, and, and everybody's saying, "Well, this is I'm this guy's disciple, and I'm this guy's." And then he goes, "You know what? It doesn't matter. One of us plants the seed, another one waters it, but God gives the increase. And then he continues and he says, but the things that I do, I do because of the grace of God in my life. In other words, everything you do and every way that you function should be affected by the grace of God. The grace of God is an amplifier. So if you have a skill and a gift, and I believe every single one of you here has at least one gift and a skill. And when you take that skill and you present it to God and you say, I can do it this far, but by your grace I'll do it this far. What you become is you become a master of it and you magnify what you're doing because the grace of God comes on you. You should be the best sweeper and broom pusher in your business. You should be the best cleaner of dishes in that whole laundry place that does dishwashing. Why? Because the grace of God takes that gift and amplifies it. When I worked for my dad, I'll be honest with you, when I worked for my dad, what I did was I looked at what I did and I said, God, I want to be the best in the world at what this job requires. 
And I believe every single one of us here has that ability and that grace of God on our life that whatever job you do, you do it better than anyone else in the whole world. Don't compare. Look to him and say, God, I am going to do this best. So when they look at this, they say, there's nobody that does it like David. When I preach, I want to preach better than anybody else in the world. And I thank you for letting me practice every Sunday. But I want to be the best. I want to convey the message of God to you better than anybody else. I want you to walk away from here going, the power of God touched me, and it was through the grace of God on the pastor's life today that I received this. Otherwise, I'm wasting your time. Can you imagine having an attitude tomorrow morning when you wake up and you put on your boots and you buckle up your pants and you put on your jacket and you say, today I'm going to be the best in the world at what I do. Do you think that would change? Function according to the grace of God which has been given to you. Function according to that way. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 10, it says, By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. His grace supersedes my natural abilities. But it also takes those abilities and goes beyond them. Grace goes beyond my abilities. Grace goes beyond my deficiencies. Who here has deficiencies? 38 honest people. I've got deficiencies. His grace goes beyond them. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 1.12, it talks about how grace affects the way I live. Grace will affect your world if you let it affect you. Grace will affect your world if you let grace affect you. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it talks about the Macedonian people and how they gave out of their need and they gave out of their persecution, they gave out of their poverty. And what he was saying, and he said there, it was the grace of God bestowed upon the churches, grace that went beyond their ability. Grace goes beyond your ability. Grace is attractive. Grace is attractive. Grace is attractive. If you read chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, we spent time in verse 8. But you get to the end of that chapter, verse 14, it talks about how other people and other churches and other regions saw how they were giving 
and how they were jealous or they saw that and it was like, wow, that's amazing. Why? Because the grace of God, when you function and walk in the grace of God, it is attractive. People like to be around people who exercise and walk in the grace of God. I'm giving you some teaching today. Because we throw out the term grace almost so quickly and so easily, we don't realize the magnitude of the grace of God in our life. Quit doing life on your own. Start employing the grace of God in your life and see how your conversation changes. See how your finances change. See how your attitude changes. See how people relationships change. See how your children change. Why? Because you're walking in the grace of God. Grace is a game changer. It says, I don't frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And what he was saying was it was the grace of God and Christ dying for us that changed everything. So if you need to change the game, let grace change the game in your life. Start running out and saying, grace, I need grace. In Ephesians 3, verse 2 and verse 7, it talks about stewarding his grace well. Steward his grace well. Administer his grace. Why? Because it's for others. If you read that passage, Paul says, I had the grace of God, but it wasn't for me. It was for others. So the grace that God puts on me is not just for me. It's actually for your benefit. So when you look at somebody after church, say the grace of God in my life is for their benefit. I think we need to change the way we do grace. In Colossians 1, 6, it says that grace reproduces and grace grows. In 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says grace talks about how grace is colorful. It's not monotone. It's multicolored. Manifold grace of God. In other words, every one of us has grace, but every one of us may display it differently. And instead of saying you've got to do it this way because Pastor David preached so well, you have to do it this way. No, you administer and you let the grace of God flow through you. The uniqueness of how God created you is also the uniqueness of how grace flows from you. And you might reach out to somebody in grace differently than I would. Great, let's celebrate that instead of, let's say, instead of being critical of it. Can we celebrate the way grace is distributed through you? The last thing I want you to see is in Romans 5, and I may spend more time here next week. But he says in verse 15, and the whole chapter is mind-boggling, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. The goodness of God, the goodwill of God, the grace of God is greater than the power of sin. 
So change the way you speak. And instead of saying, I can't, I can't, I can't because of this, because of that, because I instead start saying, I can, I will because of the grace of God. Because he says the power of sin is broken because of the grace of God. You don't live according to the sin. You now live according to the grace of God. The grace of God, the goodness of God, the goodwill of God is greater than the power of sin. Amen? So I gave you in about 40 minutes a whole pile of things about the grace of God. If you didn't have a pencil... Go online, listen to that sermon again, because this can change the way you operate. And if you want my notes, I'll be gracious. It's a free gift. I was going to say I want to see your notes from the iPad, or the, but, but, but I'm putting conditions. But if you want to grow in grace, accept the game-changing grace of God in your life and let it go through you to others. Amen? Teaching session is over. Let's stand and let's pray. What I'd like to do is if, if you're in each section where you are, turn around and if you're in one row and the other row's turned around, we've got a problem. So find somebody in your section and lay hands on them, and we're going to just pray God's grace over them. Okay? So find somebody close by and stretch your hands to them. Touch them physically. Lay your hands on their shoulder. And just pray God's grace. Just start speaking his grace over them. Find somebody. If you don't have somebody, find somebody. Walk across your, your row and, and reach out and pray the grace of God over someone's life today. Heavenly Father, would your grace, would your goodwill and your ability and your benefit come on every single one here today. And as we lay hands on each other, Lord, may we impart your grace into their lives. And may there be a tangible difference in the way they conduct life today going forward because of the grace of God over them. In your precious name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you.